everyone, and welcome to episode 81 of the Rich Cheese Radio Podcast, your place for horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy. You guys know him, you love him, Mr. Bro Dinky. What's going on, bro? Uh, Schmidt, it's been a, a bit of an exhausting week. I don't have to tell you, um, you and I have been sort of just uh, ships in the night trying to get this episode uh, locked down, if we will. Um, yeah. apologize, uh, apologies to our uh, listeners. We usually drop these on, on Monday, but um, yeah, it's just been a tough one trying to get things on the same page and just, uh, you know, life comes at you fast sometimes. So just with uh, Mother's Day and a, a couple other big days sort of thrown into the same few days span, it's been a little challenging sort of getting on the same page. But uh, we're here. We got it done. We're going to have this one out a little late for this week. But uh, still out nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. How are things about you, bud? Good, man. Um, it's been a busy week for me as well. A lot of traveling, a lot of work stuff. So uh, a little bit more, more unorthodox for me recording on the road. Uh, but uh, it's a fun experience and glad to be doing it and uh, glad to be recording an episode for this week. So uh, I'm here. I'm existing. <laughs> Yeah, good to see you, man. Um, I know we had we had a few a few weeks there. We got back on track last week, but I didn't want to get too far off the track again this week. So I, I did want to make it a point to get one in the can here because we we don't really have uh we don't really record ahead. You know, we don't have any sort of pre-canned episodes that we could just sort of throw out there when we're like, oh, you know what, we're not gonna make a week. Let's just we'll use the one that we got stored up. Like we we don't we like to keep things pretty fresh and pretty on the the cutting edge of news and things like that. So we really don't put any in the hopper for emergency purposes. So that's why every once in a while you'll have something like this where it's going to be a few days later, you know, we have to kind of move things around because um, yeah, we don't want to give you that stale stuff. So uh, again, apologies, but uh, we hope you appreciate that on the other end as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And thank you guys for the well wishes too. I know a lot of you guys reached out to us and asking if we were all good Everything was okay. Yes, just scheduling conflict. But uh, appreciate that you guys were were willing to take the time out of your day to to reach out to us and 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 share that you uh, can't wait till we come back. So we're here. Yeah, and uh, speaking of thanks, uh, some pretty cool news um, from a listener actually. Uh, so since we've sort of uh, gone on a little bit of a, a tangent about about the the resin seiko you know it's gaining a little traction people have sort of started picking them up and just checking them out because you know they're a neat little release and they're kind of off the beaten path and they're a little nuanced and, and harder to get um so somebody who had picked up a, a few uh they're actually kicking one in and they want to give one up for uh for real men this uh this year so Oh, that's cool. gonna be cool. Yeah, cool little neat little prize. Uh, the one that we both have, the SRP G eighty one, the matte nice. gray, uh, grayed out version. So, uh, thanks uh, to our listener. I believe the handle is GM Alumni. I don't know if that's George Mason or or what, but uh, you know, many thanks. I know the watch came all the way from Europe. So, uh, again, that's that's cool. So, in addition to the uh, Haim L two, we've got a a cool little resin Seiko still working on a few other things. Um, you know, strap habits in the works. Uh, we're probably going to do something cool with, uh, the anti-watch guys as well. So keep mm -hmm. a lookout for that. I've got plenty of feelers out on the, uh, the bigger front of some of the bigger players. Haven't heard anything back yet, but they also move pretty slow, uh, usually per my experience. So I don't know if I'm being shunned or if they're just, uh, you know, things are just going at the usual glacial pace, but we'll find out eventually. But, you know, we're, we're going to kick things off sort of a, a little closer to October this year, I think, just to, um, you know, just to to make it a little less annoying for everybody and, uh, you know, kind of try to really make our mark within the, um, I guess, the marketable time of season. So uh, we'll mention it as things go on, but. It's really going to pick up probably towards the end of summer, early fall. You'll see a lot of that stuff come out, the straps and everything. So, you know, something to keep an eye out for. But I thought I would just fill it really in because, you know, people have been checking out the, the resin Seikos and I've been wearing mine a ton. I mean, it's a it's a super easy watch to wear and it's it's definitely a great beater. So, um, you know, I'm really excited to get that in somebody else's hands as well, because it's, it's sort of a, a niche release as to where it's been. So 
uh, you know, definitely some folks that are stateside, I think would be interested in that. So that's cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess let's hop in the new stuff. Plenty of it since we've last spoke. Um, this is one I may or may not have known it was coming uh, a little while in advance, thanks to some friends in some high places, but uh, very stoked about the Zodiac Seacron. Uh, nice. This this is a callback. It's uh you know it's 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 a legacy model. I believe it's their only chronograph that I could think of. Yeah, it must be actually. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, most most zodiacs I think of are divers or GMTs. You know, there's a, a few interesting ones there in the mix, but I, you don't necessarily think of chronographs when you think of zodiac. But you know, I've always looked at these on the on the vintage market, and they've gone for a lot of money, upwards of like four thousand before. So I'm like, eh, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna do that. You know, I, I don't know enough about them in. Uh, that respect to to be able to hunt one down and feel good about it you know like yeah like if i'm gonna go after something on the vintage market i want to be able to almost be able to ensure that it's legit from my end i mean i not that i don't trust people but you know it's it's it well do your homework yeah and absolutely and and the other aspect of it too is you got to think about servicing you know certain you know any source old parts if you want to keep it all new old stock there's so many extra things that that come into play here Plus, let's be honest, those vintage examples, they were brutalized. <laughs> they got abused really, really hard. So like so many of the other Seawolves and some of the other uh, Super Seawolves from the era as well, they were put to the test and people used them unforgivingly and they were tools back then. So a lot of water damage, you know, a lot of potential for, for you know, bubbling dials and all kinds of crazy stuff that, that typically happens with those watches. So I, I don't blame you, man. It's it's really a crapshoot to see if you can get one in, in, in good condition and all original parts. It's very difficult. Yeah, and it's it's sort of a brand that I think everybody's sort of become keen on recently. And uh, even on the vintage market, I think people are starting to see sort of where that hype came from. Uh, it didn't just come out of left field where it they've had some dynamite pieces in the past. And I think this is one of them. Yeah, and now you're getting sort of a modernized package of it. I mean, the bracelet looks really good. Uh, the overall aesthetic. I mean, it, it's it's somewhat your basic diver chrono, but at the same time, you know, it's got a lot of zodiac cues. I like the the twelve o'clock uh, circular index a lot. Yep. Um, you know the the graduations around the bezel and uh, you know the handset. There there are things that that still let you know that this is a zodiac. And not just, uh, you know, your sort of run-of-the-mill watch that anybody could have cranked out. But uh, definitely cool to see. So I, I'm excited to check this one out in person. I'm sure it's going to make the round soon. So, Yeah, and and I can't wait to see what they're going to do with the collection. Because I yeah. can only imagine this is probably the beginning. And you right? know, I mean, they, they are one of the better brands that do color in yes. a really cool and unapologetic way, right? They yeah. do the, they do the lime greens, they do the sherberts, they do all sorts of crazy things. So to see a watch like this, I mean, imagine this in like a watermelon configuration. I was thinking exactly the same thing. I was thinking <laughs> like exactly the same thing. Pink and green, that would be yeah. dynamite. It would be amazing. It would be really, really cool. I and hope they do that now. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's got it would kind of give me studio underdog vibes. You know, oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah, totally that, that look, but um like you said they do color so well it's innate to their dna um it's fantastic to to see them do it and i know this is only going to be the beginning and maybe they play with this in in ceramic or other you know materials that they can do now as well too so it'll be really exciting to see where the c crown goes forward plus i mean right now if even if you opt for just the standard versions the blue and the black are are fantastic colorways yeah that Uh, blue looks really good yeah i was gonna say i lean more towards the blue uh personally but uh Either option, it will be fantastic. Yeah, I keep picturing it in that that sort of golf motif, maybe like with like the that would also of be that cool. sea wolf with the black dial with like the that really bright blue and the orange. I, I think that would be absolutely killer as well, especially because you know uh, the the golf motif sort of has a home with chronographs, right? When you think about like the the tag hoyer connection and stuff like that. So yeah, uh, you know, it's definitely a ton of room to play with and. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, me too. Me too. 
All right. Next up, we got a good amount of Seiko here. Um, so they have two renditions of a playful release with an old friend. Uh, so they have the <laughs> SRPK 25 and the SRPK 27, and they are the sort of Seiko 5 diver esque model and sort of the what would you call it like a piloty field model yeah exactly it's kind of, it's kind of somewhere in between that yeah um, and, and they're both sporting our old friend snoopy who is no stranger watches and everybody seems to enjoy so uh you know a welcome addition to seiko finally you, you've had him on omega you've had him on timex now he's over here uh and, and each one he's kind of doing something different on the diver he's, looks like he's got a surfboard he's on the yeah. beach on the the field watch it looks like he's uh I don't know what he's doing. It just says chop, chop, chop on it. <laughs> I don't know either. I've been I trying to figure either. this out. I'm really not sure. But you get a hint of yellow with uh, the tip of the second hand to match Woodstock, I think. It's really hard to tell what's going on on that on the, the field one. I, I really <laughs> don't know what it is. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's certainly an interesting thing. Um, but it's good to see, you know, such a beloved cartoon character, you know, grace another dial and another brand. Um, obviously he makes his rounds with, with a lot of different collaborations, but it's cool. Um, it's nice to see it. It's playful. You know, I like kind of the, the different approaches they focus on with kind of more of the, um, monochromatic look. Yeah. You're getting very, very plain, pure white dials here with nothing yeah. but black accents. Yeah. So they're, they're very clean models. Uh, maybe a little plain Jane for some, but I think with, with the Snoopy on the dial, I think it, it makes it interesting enough. You know, I just realized what it is. What is it? <laughs> so his ears are spinning like a helicopter. Oh, okay. So he's like a pilot, you know? And that makes sense because it's a military pilot watch, right? See, yeah, just that wasn't clear enough. It looks like there's just a hole above his head. Like it looks like he's getting dropped out of a wormhole. Oh man, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Uh, okay, so he's a helicopter. I get it. I get it. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. We got it. We solved All it. All right. <laughs> okay. But well, cool yeah. release, nevertheless. It's, cool, uh, playful. You know, I, yeah, I think people enjoy it. Who want it? Who are into the whole Snoopy thing? So, you know, it's one of those things. If you're not into it, you're not going to buy it. Who cares? So, yeah. That's all right. Um, and then on the other hand, uh, Rowing Blazers has dropped another set of the Seiko Five uh, Street Editions. Speaking sport, of collabs, editions. Yeah, speaking <laughs> of collabs. Uh, so SRP J sixty five, sixty seven, sixty nine, and seventy one. Uh, you're getting a lot of pastel, I guess. Here it's purple, pink dial, yellow dial, white dial with multicolor indices. Um. Yeah, one of them is sort of like a Jamaican vibe to it. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. Again, I, I I don't really know where to place these. I can kind of take them or leave them. They're okay. I like the kanji day wheel. Um, I'm not so into the second hand. I don't love this case as a whole. But this to me is just a perfect, like, youthful, fun, you know, college prep kind of watch in terms of style. I mean, it's kind of the rowing blazers design aesthetic. It's kind of like you know J Crew Brooks Brothers all these yeah, years that, ago. Yeah, that's what I'm getting here. Yeah, so it's a lot more on that prep style, um, which is cool. I mean, I think you know you think about a lot of like you know classic clothing. It is in pastels. It is in more vibrant colors. So I think a lot of this makes sense given their brand DNA. Um, as you pointed out, it's in that kind of dress KX case. Not really my favorite, personally speaking. Um, but I can see where a lot of people could love it, especially if you're 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 into the pastel vibe, as a lot of brands are. You know, you got the OPs that came out of a couple years ago yep. in the in the vibrant colors. This is kind of leaning into that into that aesthetic as well. So, I think it's a cool release. Um, you know, Roaring Blazer seems to be everywhere now. Uh, they did the initial Seiko collab, then another Seiko collab, and now uh, Tudor's collab, and then now this one again. So. Uh, this this is a, a brand that's certainly on the rise, at least in uh, in popularity um, and cultural significance. So um, very interesting to see that. Very cool, but uh, not a watch for me per se. Yeah, I think it fits almost in that 
um, sort of when you see those Hodinky articles about what to get your high school grad, to me, this fits a little better than maybe a $2,000 Nomos. Yeah. You know, exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Getting an 18 year old kid, a, a $2,000 watch, maybe not ideal, but at least this one, <laughs> if they bang it around, they lose it. They damage the crystal. No big deal. Right. You can feel fine about it. And, even replace it perhaps <laughs> at not too steep of a price. So uh, that's, that's kind of the vibe I get when I look at these, I'm like, Oh, okay. This would be cool for, you know, some, a younger person maybe who, who maybe isn't into watches or maybe just kind of likes that preppy motif, but isn't necessarily looking for, you know, an expensive timepiece. So I could see maybe that's where it fits in. Yeah, I would agree. I think that that's a, it's a perfect place for it. It's a nice beater. Nice way yep. to get your feet wet, if you will. Yeah. Um, I will hit Grand Seiko here before I go on. So Grand Seiko has a limited edition. It is the SBGA 485. And this is the apricot blossom. So you're getting some pink. It's a, It looks like a pink Kirazuri dial. It's got a red secondhand, red uh, PR hand, red spring drive text, and then some gold accents in there too. Um, you know, this is just them doing what they do, mixing around with the colors, mixing around with the textures, um, and you know, throwing in a limited edition because that's what they like to do. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful, beautiful watch, by the way. Again, you guys know I'm not really the biggest Grand Seiko guy. Um, I can certainly appreciate it, but I think this watch, the the finishing is fantastic. It's a nice kind of Pastelli pink. It almost has a little bit of like a, a an orangey color to it in there as well. Um, but I like that's highlighted with the with the alternate accents as well. It just gives it a little little bit of pop. Um, and I like that case design a lot as well. Um, I think that's probably one of the better cases that Grand Seiko does. Uh, it's very clean, very symmetrical. It just looks really really polished. So um, very cool design. Yeah, this is this is killer, and you know I, I'm. I'm obviously I'm a fan of Grand Seiko. I, I I like the pink motif. I have the the pink shunbuns. So this is very much up my alley. And you know this this would be like my this would be like a top watch. Like if I could just like have any watch to to give away or to you know to to put towards towards charity. This would be like top five. I mean this is this is a sick dial. This would be something I would be like you know super enthused over because it's just it's nuts and that's and it's also limited so even better but yeah uh, yeah super rare yeah so that would be this would be top of the props but again super limited and i'm sure it is a lot of money so that's probably not gonna happen <laughs> <laughs> um all right let's go on to one that <laughs> has raised enough eyebrows and i'm sure everybody's kind of waiting for us to touch on this week uh hublo and oh. nespresso have got together and collaborated on a Big Bang Unico, and it's made from Nespresso pods and coffee grinds. This is a dumpster fire of a release. Oh, good God in heaven. What the hell is this? I really don't know, man. I mean, the color is cool if you like green. Um, it's certainly a bold color. I get the idea behind it, right? It's all about being green. It's all about being recyclable and and giving back to the environment, you know, processing things down to to make them into other materials. I think that's kind of a cool innovation just from the te the technological aspect of being able to take, you know, something like coffee grounds, something like, you know, recycled materials and and turn them into something else. I think that is pretty cool, but I don't necessarily know if I want my watch made out of recycled material cuz let's be honest, your watch is made out of trash. Legitimately. There's enough hublot trash jokes out there for this one. <laughs> All right, I'm not. I don't have to think we have to touch on that. But no, no, no. This it's only just... drives it home further. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's literally made out of trash. Um, which again, take it or leave it. Uh, in terms of like, are you an an eco warrior or not? It doesn't matter. Um, I think again, the technology is cool. I don't know if I necessarily want to spend Ublo money at retail to buy a watch in collaboration with Nespresso. Um. It's such an odd collaboration to industries that don't necessarily 
interlink really much at all. Um, so I, I don't know, man. I, I really don't like this watch. I like the technology behind it, but I don't really like the watch at all. And I'm not the biggest Ublo fan. I don't really know too many people that are. Um, but uh, certainly interesting as well. I also found it interesting that uh, Nespresso kind of superseded Ublo and put their logo on the crown. Oh wow! Which which is crazy. And uh, as much as uh, you know, the design of this watch is is interesting. One of the things I thought was kind of silly that they didn't do is if you're going to do a watch collaboration with Nespresso, why didn't you make the crown look like an Nespresso pod? Like that to me is just like a missed opportunity. Uh, that, that does make sense now that you mention <laughs> it. Right? Like, I mean, how easy would it have made to make a bulbous crown that looks like an Nespresso pod? I was like, that was the first thing I saw when I saw the rendering. I was like, really? You couldn't even have done that? But, you know. What do I know? I'm not a product designer. Yeah, and I, I got to say, I don't know if it's just the, the photo I'm looking at or if this is how, how they do their things, but one thing I've always appreciated about watches like the Royal Oak is that the screws are always turned so that they... Are perfect? Yes, are perfect, and these are not. the like this, So what I'm saying That's... is the screws... So, example, if the if there's a screw at 10 and 4, the, the groove in the screw will... It would almost be like you could draw a line straight through both screws through the 10 and the four yeah. perfectly symmetrically through the watch. And yeah. here they're just all over the damn place. And it's I don't know if I'm being, just being too picky or if this bothers anybody else. Like, but it, it's it's just kind of throwing my eye. No, man, this is this is something that's that's uh, so many people have pointed out about uh, about Ublo in the past is these little details. Right. How can these other brands do it? I mean, freaking even Cartier can do it, right? So how can other brands do this? And this is something that a watch that's costing more money than most people can can spend comfortably on a timepiece. And yet those little nuances are completely overlooked. Doesn't make sense. You know what this, this really feels like to me? What's that? This feels like... You know, a big person at Nespresso and a big person at Ublo were at a bar grabbing drinks and they're like, ah, we should do a collaboration because I want a cool watch, right? And so they just kind of made a watch for this this big wig kind of guy. And then they're like, oh, we should we should make it commercially available and sell it. Everybody it's, likes coffee, right? It, it's just, it's such a weird association between the two. It's such a weird collaboration. Um, again, as I mentioned before, technology is kind of cool behind it being recyclable and green and all that stuff. But it's just this ain't it, fam. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to trash Hublot. You know, and even then, we've seen people work the sustainable angle for it. We've seen the Oris upcycle. Yeah. Right. We've seen bioceramic and things like that where you're taking either recycled materials or natural materials and, and kind of reworking them. Um, yeah. I just don't know what the angle is here and not for nothing nespresso if you were going to do a collab with a watch brand there is literally a brand called brew that has a coffee bean for a logo like wtf <laughs> yeah that's yeah it's totally true i didn't even think about maybe that. that's just too on the nose but it makes perfect sense to me yep yeah, so you know, again, we've seen uh some some good trash in the past. This is this is, I guess, bad, bad trash. I don't know, but like you said, dumpster fire works out. <laughs> uh, but I think people have been sort of waiting for us to to have at this one. Um, you know, so somebody was funny enough. I don't know if you caught it. He he put an espresso pot on his on his wrist. <laughs> and I sent me a that. picture of it. I saw that was that. pretty funny. I got I give props and props are due. So <laughs> that was a good one. Um, all right, going from there to some other green stuff, uh, maybe I'll let you take this one because we have a new Omega Seamaster Aquaterra world timer. Yeah, so it's uh, so apparently, according to the launch of as of a few days ago this week, um, Omega launched three new versions of its world timer collection that it launched a couple of years back. Um, uh, back then, um, I think the first one was done in platinum. 
Then that progressed into a gold version on bracelet and leather strap, and then steel on rubber and uh, steel bracelet. So yeah. uh, a few different versions in the in the collection. This is now three new additions. Um, they're cool, man. I like them. I think the green colorway is really nice. Um, this is a, a slight upgrade over the previous versions as well because they now feature a brushed uh, ceramic bezel for the Aquaterra. Nice. This is something that I, I, I didn't know if I would like. Um, I saw the initial photos and I was like, whoa, what is this? But I think it's very cool. It's certainly a bold step for Omega to do this because I know having owned an Aquaterra myself, that that is one of the biggest downsides of that watch is that bezel just gets trashed. It's like a smooth bezel Rolex. It just gets beat to yeah. hell. Yeah, scratch and magnet. It's a scratch magnet, dude. It really is. And I think that uh, hopefully with this new type of ceramic that they're utilizing on the bezel, um, that'll alleviate a lot of those issues. Um, and uh, we'll take care of that from an aesthetic standpoint. So I think it's very cool. Uh, I'm excited to see these in in, in person. Um, I think the titanium one is the best of the three. Yeah, it's a beast. Um, it's super cool. It's very monochromatic, but not too monochromatic where it's illegible. Um, I really love the kind of gold accents that they did on the world map as well. I think this is a home run for them, and I'm excited to see these when they finally hit store. So hopefully that's sometime soon. Yeah, and you get a little bit of like the, the safari vibe almost from the green and gold i like that it's got some khaki on the, the globe and everything and uh they made these via uh laser ablation correct yes yeah i know so, we've talked a, a little bit about it in the past um it's more or less it's using it's using lasers to create height on the dial right so it's done in two different ways um so primarily the the area that's really laser ablated is the world map right uh, so what I know from the previous generation of the uh, the world timers is they would take the globe and the globes themselves were made out of titanium. I don't know if this one is, but I know on the steel version, it certainly was. And they would basically use different temperatures of laser uh, yep. to cut the it's titanium, coming back, but, to me. but also color it to change it a certain color. So that's how they were able to get the greens, the browns and the and the blues on that respective world map. Now, with this one being that it's green, kind of more of a tannish color, gold color, I don't know if it's the same process. I would imagine that it would be, but uh, I haven't su seen too many people cover all the intricacies yet about this one. Um, so I'm excited to see it when it finally hits the stores. But I will say the other one, the titanium one, that dial is finished using laser ablation as well. So if you look at both of the, of the steel version and the titanium side by side, You'll notice that the steel version has, or the uh, the steel version has kind of like these vertical lines that go up and down around the dial. Yep. Um, it kind of symbolizes kind of like a longitude latitude lines on the on the world map. You don't have that on titanium, so they did more of like a almost like a blasted look, and that's done using the the laser ablation to kind of create this blasted satiny texture. So, I think it's fantastic. Um, I think. They're fan they're they're amazing looking watches. I if anybody was holding out for an Aquaterra World Timer, this is probably the one to get. All right. And that will bring us, I guess, to our our little mini topic of today. Um this is kind of one kind of came out of left field because I, I follow a lot of people who sell vintage stuff and who focus on sort of the, the quirky and the out there and they do some fun like weekly stuff where they'll post like kind of ridiculous vintage models that you didn't know existed or that are just super weird and uncharacteristic and so i wanted to do an episode and just talk a little bit about some that that are some of my favorites and then yours because I just think they're fun. I mean, I think something like the almost like the the Zodiac astrographic comes to mind, right? Something that's kind of out of left field, maybe yeah. not so characteristic for that brand that you wouldn't have pictured if somebody said, "Hey, have you ever seen the Zodiac?" And you, all right, well, what is it? A sea wolf? Is it? You know, what could it be? Oh, it's this crazy thing with floating hands, and you know, it, it's way out there, right? And you're just like, "What the heck is this?" So, 
I, I enjoy those. I enjoy watches like that. So do the, the oddballs and the, the black sheep. And I guess, I guess the watches that, that keep the hobby weird, which is also kind of the fun part of it for me. So, um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of along those lines, um, but in, in almost a, a cool way, not so much like the code 1159 way where it's just yeah. like the, the, the black sheep, or the, like the black eye of the collection. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want that. Like I want, I'm, I think cool stuff or sort of just like off the reservation stuff that you would never picture a brand doing. Um, you know, and I, I guess I sort of got, I sort of started to fall in love with these when I, when I started experiencing like the, you know, the, the Seiko tunas and the Seiko Arnie's and the, those bulky cases that you're like, when I, when I first started collecting, I was just like, you know, who the hell could be into this? And I was like, I kind of warmed up to it and I was like, all right, well, let me try it on. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, th- this is kind of neat. And that's now, how it now I kinda, yeah. Now I kind of like it. All right. It's quirky. It's a behemoth. It's, it's a golem. It, it's a bit of a refrigerator, but I, I'm enjoying this, you know, like it, it grows on you slowly. And I think that's sort of the fun part about quirky watches and sort of the, the ones that maybe not everybody goes after. So I thought it'd be cool to talk a little bit about that. Um, I have one in particular that I'll start with that kind of kicked this off because I saw it and I was like, what the hell is this? And I was extremely surprised by the name on the dial. So I'm going to start with the Doxa graphic G R A F I C. So take a look at this, right? It's, it, it's an oldie. It's a square watch. It's got an 11 o'clock date. I have literally never seen this watch. Before yeah, I came across life. it. I was like, what on earth is this? And then I see in the bottom right corner, it says Doxa. And, you know, this this appears that it was a pretty well-produced line. I mean, there's a, there's a few different variations. They have some cool stuff, like uh, almost like the, the spider dial that comes on the Nevadas. You got some gold yeah. cases. They're... they're it was definitely meant to be sort of a, a dress a dress line a la Cartier, a la, you know, all those sort of vintage tank looks. But this is just so this weird. This is nuts. It's 11 o'clock date, and it's, and it's angled, too. It's angled sort of uh, to symmetrically bisect the watch. So it's it's just a, a strange, strange offering. And again, I know Docs have made other watches other than yeah, other than divers, they're yeah, divers. Sure. You know, I know, I know they're not nearly as popular, and they're again, I think people like Doxa because it's sort of a quirky brand and it has those those sort of fun and uh, unconventional nuances to them, whether it be their divers or otherwise. But I saw this and I was like, "What on earth is this?" And I was sort of just pulled in, and I was like, "Well, you know, that's that is what I'm going to do this episode on this week. We're going to just talk weird and unconventional watches." And I thought this was a good one to to lead off with. That is so cool. I'm I'm actually stunned because I'm looking at this and like, well, I don't have anything nearly this cool um, in my lineup, but super, super cool watch. And I'm looking at one too. I guess they made it like a pocket watch or like a travel clock version. Yeah, yeah. With like the crowns at six o'clock. Legitimately have never seen that before, ever. But such a funky design. Doxa, if you were ever listening, please bring this back. I think <laughs> it would be so cool. I mean, why not? That is so nuts to me. It's so 60s too, isn't it? It is. It's very 60s. Like this is like I could see Don Draper wearing this watch. You know, like that would have been such an interesting, such an interesting timepiece. Yeah, I picture this right there with the the old Astro graphics, you know, like the just sort of like weird out there watches that, you know, you're so used to the, sort of the standard format. And these are sort of breaking the mold in that regard. And you're like, whoa, whoa what the hell is that? You know, it's so cool. So that's this is the one I, I'm leading off with, because this is what I sort of was uh, inspired by this week. It looks like at one point they made like a reissue of it. They did bring it back. Because I I've, I saw a reissue on them, I don't know how recent that was. Yeah, it's gotta it's gotta have been some time ago, and obviously it wasn't something that was available in the 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 U.S. market. 
Yeah, because it wasn't only until recently that Watches of Switzerland became the official Doxa dealer for the U.S. Right. But maybe the previous versions were quartz, it looks like. I don't know, I should say the, the reissues were quartz, maybe? Yeah, because the one I'm looking at is an automatic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, the original ones from the 60s are definitely mechanical. But the one I'm looking at here that looks kind of like a new relaunch of that from some years ago, it you know the price is like 300 euro. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not for an automatic watch. So very interesting. Very, very interesting. But cool, man. I, I'm so glad that you showed this to me. I legitimately have never seen this before. Yeah, well, that's kind of the fun of it. You know, there's there's always something weird and out there to to discover, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like an espresso hublot. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was kind of the perfect segue into that, right? Yes. 100%. Um, all right. All right. Cool. So I don't have anything quite as cool as that, uh, unfortunately. But we were talking about this concept earlier about kind of like black sheep or, or, or you know, maybe watches that, that brands are not typically known for. They produce, but it's not really like their thing. Uh, so one that I'm going to pick um, is from Panerai, but it's, it's a new watch that I recently saw and I had never seen any marketing material on it. I had never seen anything that, that really pushed this watch. Um, it's more so marketed as a ladies timepiece. Okay. But it's the Panerai Douay Luna. Um, this is their 38 millimeter Douay case, obviously more marketed towards ladies, more of a dress watch style, but it's just such a cool watch for me because it does have a moon phase complication on it. And uh, if you've never seen this watch, it's super cool. Like it's so thin, it wears incredibly well. Um, there's a couple different versions. Like there's a gold one with a mother pearl dial, which obviously ladies, there's one on a pink strap, obviously ladies, but there's this kind of like silver opaline dial with red gold markers on a steel bracelet. It looks really nice. And there's like a midnight blue on a blue alligator. Yeah, I see that. It is, I don't know, it just feels very not Panerai. You know, we think about sports watches, we think about beefy, burly, you know, submersibles, these crazy things that they've done with their design. And what they've made is something very classic looking, still incorporating their DNA as a brand in terms of the aesthetic, but they've miniaturized it in such a way that makes it feel very elegant. And having the moon phase complication on there as well is also very antithetical to their design. I know they do some high horology pieces, but their classic core stuff doesn't typically feature complications like this. And uh, I have to say, quite honestly, this is probably one of my favorite ways that I've ever seen a moon phase incorporated into a dial because it's almost like a sub-dial. Like it's almost like a like a bi-compact dial when you think of like a vintage yep. chrono, right? Yeah, yeah. You have the small seconds on one hand, and then you have the the moon phase on the other that perfectly mirrors the, the the symmetrical aspects of the dial. And I think it's it's so well integrated that uh, when I was at a, a retailer that had one, I literally stopped and I was like, okay, there's not a lot of watches that impress me these days where I physically will stop in my tracks to look at it, and I asked to see it. And I'm like, I'm not a Panerai guy. I'm certainly not a ladies' watch guy, um, but I just think it's a very cool name for the watch, the Luna. Um, I think that the, the the symmetry of the watch is, is very well done. And uh, for me, if I was going to think about a black sheep within the, the Panerai line or or kind of a, a model that doesn't necessarily fit, this would be a pick for me. Yeah, I think a lot of people are usually used to the small seconds with the date on the other side or nothing at all from mm -hmm. Panerai. This is definitely interesting. I know some people think, you know, 38 millimeters is sacrilegious for them. Uh, you know, I know, I know that people have complained about the, the water resistance in some of the smaller models and things like that. But, you know, again, I, I don't know how many people are going, you know, actually diving in their Panerai. I know some people do, but I think in a smaller, more elegant model like this, you're not going to have that so much. And, and mm -hmm. I, I think that makes sense. I don't think there's a problem with that. Uh, but yeah, it's it looks like it's very well put together, and it's just sort of a you know a, a slimmed down version of their their bigger Luminor case that maybe ostracized some buyers with its size and its bulk before, and now 
you can accommodate for those people. I mean, whether it be a lady or just somebody with a smaller wrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, or just somebody that likes classically sized watches. I mean, you think about it this way, you still have this massive crown protector, right? That goes across the crown. Right. It's going to add visual weight to it. Sure. You notice too that the that the the watch is basically all dial because it has a very thin bezel profile too. It is, yeah. So I mean, even though it's a thirty eight, it probably wears a lot more svelte than that. And I tried it on; it looked awesome, like it looked and it felt natural to me. Uh, and I'm typically not a person that shies away from very small watches. This doesn't feel like a small watch. Um, obviously, it's got this cushion case to it, so it feels more stout, more svelte. As, uh, as the Houdinki bros would like to say, right, in all their <laughs> articles, it's very svelte. Um, Slides think under it, the cup. Yeah, I certainly think <laughs> that that this actually is applicable here, right? This is a cushion case. It's got more of a stout uh, posture to it. It feels a little bit larger on the wrist. And because of that all dial profile, it really doesn't wear as small as the size suggests. So if you are looking for something that's a little bit different, um Check it out. I think it's kind of interesting, and and I would totally feel comfortable wearing one. Now, I'm not going to go out and run and get the pink strap version or the the gold mother pro version, but I would be happy with the midnight blue on a on a nice dark black strap, or you know something like a dark brown coffee color strap. I think that would look really nice, or even the steel bracelet version. I think would look really cool too. So, um, you know, if you're a guy listening to this and and you're thinking I'm crazy about, you know, rocking the Luna, then. Just go give it a shot. You might be surprised. Yeah, and I'm usually not one for mother of pearl dials, but I think in this execution, given that if you look at the moon phase, it has clouds on it. It almost seamlessly blends into the clouds on the moon phase. Yeah. And it actually looks really cool because the mother of pearl works very much in that way that you would have sort of the texturing and uh color transitions on a cloud so I, I think it's kind of a neat touch where i'm normally i i i don't really gravitate towards that type of thing but i think here it actually works quite nice hey and there's dudes out there that rock mother pro all right there's guys I mean, that were rocking you know diamond rolex diamond. pro master yeah exactly right <laughs> well even still I mean, you think about like a date dress right there's there's guys rocking black tahitian date date justs I mean, hell, right? right? We said Zin, Zin was doing Mother of Pearl. Absolutely. So it's out there. Um, so speaking have, of the... Cr- have you seen this watch before? This uh, this execution of it? Yeah, like the Luna? I might have gone over it, but I don't think I paid attention to it. Yeah. Definitely not in person. Okay, yeah. It's cool, man. You should check it out. So, uh, yeah, like I said, speaking of the crown... Uh, I have one from them that I've always liked, and it goes back to to one of my favorite uh, James Bond movies. And this was worn by, I believe it was Christopher Lee. This is the Rolex King Midas. Oh, yeah. This is such a cool watch, man. And they, they have a few different iterations. They have some with more of a, a squared off case. They have some with uh, sort of a, I guess, a pentagonal case. I think that one's probably my favorite. And uh, yeah. You know, the, the bracelet sort of seamlessly molds straight in with no lugs. It goes straight into the case. It's just such a cool design, and it's it's very off off of the, the steel sports idea that we think of with Rolex or even even their their sort of sporty precious metal models. Uh, you know, this, this really just isn't any of that. Um, this kind of hangs out with more of their like Cellinis and things like that, that people mm-hmm. aren't mm-hmm. so akin to or so hip to, you know, because this is from an era where you thought of tools, right? You thought of either super cool tool watches or, uh, you know, watches with big provenance, whether it be, uh, you know, chronographs or, or Explorer watches. I mean, this is just a neat, neat watch. And I've always liked this. It's just such a quirky execution for them. And it's something you're, you're probably not going to see again unless they well, bring it back in like really some, some weird fashion. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm seeing this watch so much more. Because Rihanna wore it. Is that why? Yeah. Rihanna wore one and she got up. There was a picture of Rihanna wearing it. And now it's like, you know, it's a bit of a pop sensation now, but I saw this on Christopher Lee's wrist. In, I can't remember which Bond film it is, but I was just like, dude, that's a sick watch. 
And I mean, they yeah. have these with uh, with some funny dials too. Like I think yeah. they have uh, lapis some, and wood, tiger's wood, green, eye, wood green dials and stuff. You know, really cool, sleek stuff. So this is from an era that I really like and that I really uh, am into as far as Rolex goes. You know, uh, even though I give them crap for some of their more modern stuff, I mean, I think this is neat. I think this is very cool, and you know, uh, I think they've gone up in price a lot, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, totally. I mean, this was this was the watch that was a dog for like forty years. Like nobody wanted to buy this watch. It was very much the anti Rolex because when we think of Rolex, we think of steel sports watches, gold sports watches, that kind of thing. And you know, it's such a it's such an interesting design, especially the offset case, which is the one that that you like and and I also would agree is probably the best looking version where it's kind of flanged out towards the left. Yeah, you know, so 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 cool. And I love the fact that it's got this like chunky brick bracelet. Like this looks like gold bars yeah you know like that that like it's literally forged gold bars it, it's so cool uh another detail that i really like about the midas is um i love that they spelled midas in like greek text um on the dial i don't know if you've ever noticed that nuance but it says midas but it's written in, in greek letters yeah and uh story goes and, and i only learned this recently because i watched a video about it but these uh these came in probably one of the most unusual Rolex boxes ever delivered. Do you know how these were delivered? No. So if you if you Google like the Rolex King Midas like box, um, it it's supposed to look like Grecian pottery, like a oh, okay, pot, like a pot. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen, and to me, what makes this watch so unique and so cool is the fact that this would literally never happen again. Like, yeah, it's, that, it, that is it what's would... neat about it. You know, it's it's one of those, it's you don't really have to worry about it being reissued. You know, it's it's sort of a classic in its own right. It's it's quirky and it's neat. And, you know, it'll be what it's going to be. And, and uh, I remembered appropriately this watch is in Man with the Golden Gun because it's a all gold watch. So, yeah fits perfect the name fits perfect you know as well it was well cast and you know you know fleming's a, a rolex guy so um sort of ties it all together in that respect but uh yeah just a cool cool watch and i know it's sort of become a, a pop sensation lately but i i had my eye on this watch uh, long before that oh, little uh rise in popularity yeah for sure for sure all right, man. So uh, I'm going to pivot to to a watch that I personally love, I personally own, and uh, I don't think it gets enough credit, um, especially in the dive watch space. So for me, you know, as much as people know about this watch, they still think it's an esoteric piece. It's still never gotten the the true recognition that it so rightfully deserves, and 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 that's why I'm going to talk about my uh, my Omega Plo Prof, which I always think is going to be a black sheep no matter what. Um, it's such a polarizing design, especially given the size for so many people. Not everyone's going to pull off the 55 millimeter case diameter. I'll be honest with you. It does not wear at all like that, uh, especially in the titanium version that I have. But such a cool watch with such an incredible history. And it was just uh, so unfortunate that this particular timepiece um, just couldn't have been made fast enough. And that's why, quite frankly, it's not quite as known um, in this in the diving space. So, as you guys may or may not know about the story, Doxa and Rolex worked together to create the uh, the original gas uh, escape valve. Um, Omega wanted to create a timepiece that could basically withstand saturation um, gases from penetrating the case. It took much longer to develop. Rolex just put a hole in their case and put a put a one way valve on and called it a day. Uh, and so they beat the they beat the Ploprof to market, even though the Ploprof was a far superior timepiece, uh, given what it could do. So, for me, this is one of those watches that I absolutely love. Um, I know in the collector space, people will recognize it; they can appreciate it. But so many people stay away from it, and I don't know why. It is such a freaking cool watch, and I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish it was just one of those watches that would just get more recognition. That's it. You know, and I, I purposely stayed away from this one because I knew you were going to take this. I swear to God, like did, I, did you really? when I well, black sheep, I immediately think pro, pro prof. But yeah. I was like, I, I know, I was like, he's going to take this one, so I'm not going to take this one. But I think I, was, I, I, I think it's just it's 
it's sort of in the same idea of the of the Seiko tuna in that it's it's yeah. big, it's kind of awkwardly shaped, it seems unappealing at first. It's also quite pricey and not exactly common. So I think that's where a lot of people get dissuade. Yeah. yeah. Um, again, that doesn't necessarily knock the watch. I just think that it it is almost like a barrier to entry for a lot of people that maybe would have a more positive experience if they got to play with it. But I know from our mutual friends, our, our bros within our group chat and everything that try it on, every single one of them likes it. Every single one of them are all about it. So um, I think they're right there with you. And I, I, I haven't I'm yet to see somebody who has bought one or got to play with one that was disappointed with it, oddly enough, even given its size and its bulk and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, pers- I purposely did not take this one because I, I, I saw it- this coming a mile away. It was uh, it was it was certainly a a fight for me internally because I was like, okay, I know I want to throw an Omega in here. Do I go X thirty three? Do I go Railmaster? I was like, ah, I don't know, man. I still got to give some love to the Plo Prof, so I, I ultimately chose that one. Dude, I've had some interesting uh, watch spotting going on lately. I, I I saw a guy at the zoo with a Mission to the Sun moon swatch on with with a yellow polo shirt this guy knows exactly what he's doing there's no there's he's leaning into this all right there's no playing around going yellow polo yellow moon swatch okay yeah 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 Yeah. i mean i've seen i've seen some real interesting stuff i did a a an event it was a marketing sort of event the other day where i was helping open a a building and from the, the sort of the catering aspect of it and, you know, there's a lot of real estate people there. I saw, uh, you know, I saw a newer Pepsi, yes, you know, some Rolex and stuff. Um, I did see a, a not the newest, but the the last iteration um, two-tone Constellation. And no then the, most, the most intriguing one of all, you know, again, this is on this is on the wrist of a, a, a either a realtor or a developer. A. An SKX, I think it's one seven three. It's whatever that that iteration of SKX, Pepsi bezel on a green, on an olive NATO strap. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? You know what I mean? Like this is that is very very out there. You know this guy knows something. And I was you know that I was like, if I'm going to talk to anybody, it's going to be this guy. That was. I was like, if if I get a chance, I'm gonna talk to him. But it was it was a pretty busy event, and it was, you know we were working and everything. But I was just like, of all the watches here, that one's sticking with me because it's so you know it's so watch, dude. It's on the nose as hell. Yeah, like, it, oh, yeah, man. yeah. There's no question about. It. Not only is it like an SKX variant, it's not like the standard SKX. No, you know, and it's it's so much more like, oh man, and it's not a NATO. Like how many how many people even know how to you know wear a NATO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if sure. you're not into it, you know. So yeah. I was like, damn. But yeah, there's there's definitely been some cool stuff. And then I so I'm at, I'm at work today, and they're like, oh yeah, um, they were they were talking about uh, you know, well, one of our our residents, and they're like, yeah, they're like he he's been missing his watch for a while. Like, oh yeah, what is it? Uh, it's a Rolex. I'm like, well, and now I have to scour this building and find this thing because. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's somewhere because some poor old chap is missing his Rolex. And I'm like, oh, man, I was like, I wonder what the hell it is. I'm sure it's like a day just or something, but I'm just like, imagine it's not. Imagine it's like a Steve McQueen or something. Like just, <laughs> guy just he just left it in the bathroom or something. And you're like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. No joke. Oh, breaks my heart to even think about it. I know. Poor guy. Poor guy. But um, all right. I, I'm actually going to go with an Omega for my my last one here, too. Uh, this one is uh, an interesting one, very quirky. I don't even know how you would describe this case. I guess it's sort of from the the TV dial, TV case era. Um, this is what they call the Jedi. Oh yeah, uh, Seamaster. Yeah. Uh, the reference I got is one seventy six dot zero zero five. I mean, this is as funky as they come. It's uh, Seamaster chronograph. It's got um, so it's got two sub dials, one mm-hmm. at six o'clock, and then one at nine o'clock, and then yeah. it's got a dated yeah. three. It's got sort of the funky, almost flight master type hand 
uh, handset. It's it's just all over the place, and that's what I like about it. I mean, the case is bulky. It's got a ton of beveling on it. Uh, there's a really cool rendition in with a with a blue dial. It's got yep. you know yellow accents. It's got some red in there and some different shades of blue going around the uh, 24 hour time sub dial. And there's just a ton going on. It's 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 a lot like the Flight Master, except it, you know I'm I I think I'm more of a Seamaster guy myself. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. It's super cool. And it's if when I think Omega, especially Omega Chronograph, this is not what I think of. And I think that's what I like about it is that this is just it's it's almost like the um like the old uh you know Seiko or Citizen like the bullheads and like sort of those just yeah. bulky chronographs that have sort of that charm about them, and, and that's what I like about it. This thing is just it's kind of all over the place, but it's it's really cool. I don't know why it's called the Jedi, but it's just it's neat. Yeah, yeah. I've never I've never known that myself either, and, and it's that's kind of embarrassing to admit. And, you know, given that I'm such a big Omega fan, um, it's just a nickname that people assigned uh, assigned to it. There was actually like a, a a blacked version of this as well. Yes, like a like a PVD version. They call that the one the Darth Vader. Okay. So I, I don't I don't know exactly where the the Star Wars kind con- connotation comes in, but you know somebody named it the Jedi. People ran with it. Uh, but yeah, dude, this is such a such a cool watch, and it's so funky. Um, and I love the way that the the time is told on this watch because, as you mentioned, you have two sub dials. The bottom one is a twelve hour counter for your chrono. The top one at nine o'clock is both a twenty four hour timer. So basically, it's, it's a day and night indication, not GMT, yeah, day night. Day and night. Yep. Uh, and and you're running seconds, but what's cool about it is the day and night indication is literally a rotating wheel, so it's a triangular marker in uh, red. Okay, yeah. And then the black wheel rotates as the time passes to indicate day and night. And then you have um, a giant chronograph second hand, and underneath the chrono second hand, you have a hand with a little airplane on it. That is your chronograph minute hand. So you have a giant minute hand that moves around the dial to track right, your last yeah. minutes for the chrono. It is so cool. So um, uh, featuring the Hanwan Caliber 861, which is a, a well-known Speedmaster caliber as well, uh, the Jedi received its nickname as a result of the late Chuck Maddox's interest in sci-fi movies and his naming the hard metal black-coated Seamaster 145.023, the Darth Vader. So this being the lighter version is the Jedi. Uh, okay. All right. There we go. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It all comes back to Chuck Maddox at some point. Yeah, appropriately. <laughs> it all goes back to him, dude. That's cool. Um, there you go. There you go. But yeah, super, super cool watch. Um I love it. It's there's uh, also a there's a similar it, it's not exact but it's a, a similar layout um there's a similar layout old vintage Tiso that I actually like a lot it's 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 got the same um nine and six sub dials dated three I can't remember the name off the top of my head but it's it's just blacked out it's got a little bit of orange accent on it it's really cool and they're not expensive at all on the on the secondary market they're like eight hundred bucks it's 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 really neat so you know if you can't maybe well, maybe if well, you can't afford afford a jedi maybe you can get into one of those i can't remember the name of it for some reason i think i might have one in my search you know history why why tiso that looks like this well i would assume because they belong to the same group but yeah well well so it's interesting in history tiso navigator chronograph That's okay it. so the tiso navigator let me just double check this i would assume it was this the swatch connection but i could be wrong so this actually would predate swatch connection. oh what it yeah. Okay, but one thing that's interesting that a lot of people don't know is back in 1930s, um, the watch industry went through kind of a crisis period, and essentially what happened is you saw the first formation of kind of a watch conglomerate, and Omega and Swatch partnered up. I'm sorry, Omega and Tissot partnered up alongside Lamania. Uh, that makes so you had sense. a movement manufacturer partnering with two different established watch brands, and basically, as part of that agreement, Lamania would manufacture chronograph movements for Tissot and Omega. The Tissot versions would just be at a lower price point, 
So this navigator probably has a Lamania caliber of some type in it, which is very similar to the one that would have been probably used in the uh, in the Jedi. Very cool. Yeah, these are nice, dude. I like these a lot. Yeah, and if, you're, the, if you're into I that mean, like motorsport black and orange with a little white sort of panda, that this yeah. is this is a dope. Uh, you know, if you can't afford a Porsche of you know Orfina, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. This is like a cute little uh, adjacent. Okay, all right. I'm gonna go with my last watch. Um, this is a, a kind of more of a value option. Um, it's from a brand that we talk about quite often, uh, our boys at at Ferrer, uh, and specifically this particular model because you know Ferrer gets a lot of press, um, rightfully so. They make a great product, uh, but this is a watch that when it came out, it was released. Um, I think it initially sold it through. I know it's sold out on the website now, but I can't imagine that they produce that many versions of them because I don't really see them posted or listed anywhere. Um, but it's the Ferrer Bradfield. This is their pilot watch. Uh, and specifically, my favorite version of them is the 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 white dial with kind of the light blue inner ring and the yellow loomed hands. Um, Fairer, when people think about Fairer, they think of the the playful use of colors, but they think of like GMT watches. They think of you know diving models. I don't see a lot of people think about Fairer as the manufacturer for for a pilot's watch. Um, and this is honestly probably one of my favorite pilot's watches that has ever been made. Um, I'm not a big pilot watch guy personally. Um, never had one, never really had a desire to pick one up, but I certainly would for this watch. Um, it's such a cool modern take on the pilot design, especially with the big kind of leafy, you know, hour and minute hand. But the loom on this thing is an absolute monster. Yeah. Look um, at that. Oh my gosh. It is. And, and maybe when you post a photo, post a loom shot of this watch, it's so good. It's unbelievable. So like all of the Arabic numerals that are around the dial are blackened and then they applied superluminova around the numeral, which is so unusual. I've never really seen anybody do this. So basically the the numerals give an afterglow. Yeah, it gives right? very like a like a neon sign look. Yeah, exactly. Totally. And then they applied a full coating of loom to the internal part of the dial in that light blue section so that you can see the graduations in the dark, which is insane to me. Yeah, they and crushed then you, this. And then you 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 contrast that with the with the big hands in an alternate loom color so you can see them stand out against the blue loom of everything else. This to me is such a cool watch. I don't think it gets enough recognition. It is such an amazing design it looks so clean and fresh and new but still kind of vintagey uh and the price point it's insane it's under a thousand dollars wow it's 895 dollars us um i think this watch is freaking cool and i've other than maybe ferrer's own instagram page i've never seen anybody post this watch i'll see all the other ferrers that come through Right, you know all the other models that they that they that they highlight very well, but I've literally never seen anybody post this watch. And the moment it came out, I was immediately attracted to it, and I probably should have jumped on it, bought it, because now they're sold out, and I don't know how I'm going to get one. But it's uh, it's such a cool watch. Yeah, it's it's something familiar style wise, but it's also just very different and in their own. It's in their own way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like very fair in that in that it, regard. But it's also a very familiar pilot's layout, so that you know it's not too far off the beaten path that it's unrecognizable. Like you get that this is a pilot by the handset, by the crown, by you know just the general layout, but just the way they went about the execution of the dial, and you know their numerals and 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 their seconds hand and things. You you know this is a fairer and. You know, I, we talk about them enough and they just they do things very much their own way and they're very creative. And I think that's where they, they score all their bonus points. And like you said, this yeah. the, the the loom execution is really cool. It's very original. You know, there's a, there's a lot to be said for that. And uh, like, you know, I, why, I hope to see more things like this. Like why would you buy an IWC? You could just buy this. 
You know what I mean? Like, and and even because they have a few different pilot watches in their lineup. I think there's a total of four in the collection. Each one has its own name and colorway. And all of the other ones look more like a traditional pilot watch. But this one with the light blue and the white, it just it's so different. Um, I don't know what it is, man. It's uh yeah. You know, and I've I've seen I've seen a white dial pilot's watch before, but still generally when you think pilot, you think black, brown, maybe gray. You're thinking a lot of steel earth tones. This is like the exact opposite. Yeah. This is like um it's just playful. It's it's almost like uh put putting like the the Mario Kart spin on a racing game where normally you think of like you know, very serious, very, you know, uh, dark and sleek. And now here you're getting something playful and bright and colorful. Um, it's just it's it's just very neat. And it's, it's cool to see somebody sort of uh, visualize this and then get it off the ground in this in this respect. Yeah. And still make it legible. That's the other thing, too. Even, oh, very, very much even so. even in the dark, you could see this thing a mile away. Yeah, that would definitely that would be a cool one to see. Imagine like you're on a flight and they they kill the lights and it's just like bing and you're like you see yeah. the guy next to you like whoa nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's kind of like what my pro prof does when when the full when the full bezel looms up and, yeah. and you get on a dark plane. Always someone's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm like, yeah, it is. I know you don't tell me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that is the one thing. Non-watch people will still marvel at Loom no matter what. Like if your watch has yeah, good exactly. Loom, they'll be like, oh, that's neat. You know, even though every single person I feel like knows what Indiglo is at this point, which, you know, isn't Loom, but still everybody's seen that party trick. Like they're still amazed by, oh, oh, that's neat. Like that glows in the dark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's cool. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I kept it three just because I wanted to keep this, uh, you know, reasonable length because I could probably go on all night with these and just uh, keep rolling them out there. But um, yeah, if you don't have anything else, uh, I think we can wrap this one up. That's it for me, man. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us again. Uh, once again, sorry for the delay on the episode this week. You know, just kind of uh, some ups and downs, some different things, uh, just a lot of moving parts and different schedules. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably try to get one out earlier next week, <laughs> to say the least. So uh, hopefully, hopefully on time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully catch you then. But for now, enjoy this one. And we'll see you soon on episode 82. So peace. Thanks, guys.